Welcome to Church Unscripted, a ministry of Brookside Church. And we know from last week's video that 60% of you are not subscribed to our channel. So hit that subscribe button, like the, the video, and subscribe to us so you can see this content in the future if you really enjoy it. And so today, I, I'm more excited than I have been in a while for this video because as we look at the Holy Spirit as a whole, there's a lot of things that you unpacked on Sunday. I mean, you took a huge chunk of the Bible in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so I'll just, I'll just hit the ground running here, okay? Sure, so yeah. I, yeah. I appreciated that you talked about spiritual landmines. And so are there more spiritual landmines? On, on Sunday, you talked about inferiority and superiority, but are there more than what you mentioned, do you think? Oh, at the, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think... I don't know if you could even create an exhaustive list on these spiritual landmines. I think there's another way, though, to describe what these spiritual landmines are. I, I, there's an, I've called them beautiful lies before. And these are things that Satan uh, puts in your head, uh, thoughts that he just seeds in your mind to discredit you or discourage you, um, disappoint you, something like that. Anything he can do to um, you know, cause you to step away from your gift whether that's you're feeling arrogant and superiority, superior to everyone else, that your gift is more valuable, or the other side of that coin of inferiority where you have so much spiritual insecurity, you feel like you don't even have a gift, mm. and that at best you're on the team, but you're never in the game. And, uh, and there's so many different tactics that I think Satan can lay at your feet. Um, part, of, part of the purpose of the Holy Spirit, though, is that he gives us discernment to recognize some of those lies. Uh, so that we can be prevented from stepping on those spiritual landmines. Um, but, but this is not just a, a theoretical thing. I think every one of us has stepped on some spiritual landmine or bought into something of a, of a, a lie from hell. Mm. I mean, he, he's the father of lies, Jesus calls him. So I'm kind of curious, what have, I mean, have you ever stepped on a spiritual landmine that has somehow <laughs> made, made you feel like you're superior or inferior or disqualified, discouraged, wow. you know, something like that? I think I've stepped on a lot of landmines, it feels like. I think one of them happened a while back. I actually got burnt out from ministry. Mm -hmm. um, and it was almost like a, um, you're not good enough. Like you're, you're putting in all this time, you're, you're serving, you're doing all this stuff, but it's still not enough. And you begin to feel like, okay, maybe my gift, maybe I'm using it in the wrong space, or maybe I'm, I shouldn't be even using this gift or anything like that. So I've experienced that in past ministry, but even, you know, discouragement from other voices, other people that have said things, uh, attacking gifts that maybe other people have affirmed in you. And how do you reconcile that? Like, how do you kind of walk through that? And so I, I've, I've had a few uh, instances like that, but um, I, I agree with the I, Holy Spirit. I'm just wondering, did your leg get blown off or your arm? <laughs> I'm just yeah, wondering. No. It's a landmine. Well, I mean, spiritually, kind of feels that way. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does, yeah. But I, I think the Holy Spirit giving discernment and other people to come around you to say and using their gifts to then encourage you and empower you in your gift and re reminding you of of the gifts that He's given you, I think is really important too. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think there's there's several of us in the church who are bringing some past experience mm -hmm. into our current operation yeah. of our gifts. And I think some of us either had parents or had some kind of spiritual mentor mm. that either suppressed spiritual gifts and said, you know what, just, uh, just show up to church, just sit there and just mm. take off or don't make very much waves. Um, don't be noticed very much. And so I kind of feel like we've been discouraged by some leaders in our past that have mm. told us to, in a sense, suppress 
what the Holy Spirit wants to do wow. in us. And I think there's a lot of us sitting in the seats that have that experience. And um, I mean, my, my prayer for us and for them is that, that the Holy Spirit would overcome that for mm-hmm. them. Um, and they would feel more empowered than ever mm-hmm. uh, to, to use the gift that the Holy Spirit gave them. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think you keyed into something. I think we're practical cessationists. We don't, we act like the spirit is not here. Mm. You know, we don't express things because we're like, well, we can't do that. The culture here says no. Mm. And yet the reality of it is the Holy Spirit moves in different ways as mm. we've been discussing. And so I, I don't want to be a practical cessationist. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in essence, I don't want to doubt that the Holy Spirit's going to do something. Yeah, that's a good word. And so, yeah. I mean, in, in essence, if we're, that's what we're practicing. We're not really listening to what scripture says, especially in this passage and about how we all have different gifts. I think the struggle though, um, that you mentioned where you talk about how the church is a family. Okay. I think that was really important. Mm -hmm. And a huge part of that, that I thought about is it's, it's a great metaphor. It, it is one of the best pictures of the church in all of scripture is a family. And you, you said something that I thought was interesting, okay? You said, start treating each other like family. And I thought to myself, well, what if my family is dysfunctional? Or what if my family has abuse? Or what if, like, like, like I don't want to treat others like my family because my family's done nothing for me, right? And what, what maybe, maybe go a little bit deeper yeah. in that hurt and abuse that potentially is in their family past and what it looks like to be a Christ-like body of Christ family hmm. as a church. That, that's a, man, that's a really deep question. I know. I'm so sorry. That, that's why <laughs> this is called like church unscripted because I would have loved to have seen that question before. This. I know. I know. Uh, talk about a landmine, right? Uh, so here, now, David, I know you got a lot to say about this, but you know, when you, when you say treat the, treat each other hmm. as a family, there's a whole lot of things you could talk about that. But I think specifically with the series we're in talking about spiritual gifts, I think it's particularly how do we as a church body encourage each other as a family to step into their gift and to use it for the kingdom? And, and the reason I love the analogy of a family is now that my wife and I have three kids and they're growing up, our oldest is 12 and then nine and seven. And they're increasingly getting to know what they're interested in, uh, what they're good at, what they're not good at, um, what their skills are. So for like my son, Judah, he's, he's, he's gifted in athletics and he's got a really sharp mind. Um, and so part of our role as parents is to help him live more and more in the gifts and the skills that God has given him. However, if, if we were to say, you know, Judah, I don't, I don't want to take you to practice. Just forget about basketball. Just forget about sports. Then all I would be doing is suppressing, you know, his skills. And I think that's part of what it means to be a family is that we mm. help each other discover what our gifts are. Mm. And then, and just encourage as much as we can create opportunities, mm. uh, facilitate people, especially younger people in the church to discover what those gifts are mm. and then, and then live in them as much as possible. And so, so if, if someone would ever say like, for example, in a kid's ministry room, you know, there, there's enough volunteers in here. We don't need you. Mm. Oh, that would be super damaging. Or if somebody says, and I'm a door greeter, but you know, what? I've got this door covered, go somewhere else. That, that would be very damaging and discouraging mm. to people who want to use their gifts. I think that's kind of what I meant in that yeah. context. But yeah, yeah. Again, it's I wasn't, really broad. I wasn't trying to just make it yeah. really hard, but sure. I just thought to myself, I'm like, man, yeah. uh, there's yeah. this function in everyone's family right. system. And yeah. so yeah. Like, I don't want to be a part of another family. Yeah, like, like, like if they feel that way, mm-hmm. yeah. I think one of the things that came to mind was, you know, scripture says to treat others higher and better than yourself. And, and that essence of humility. And I think that's the key for 
these gifts, that's the key for living as a family in the body of Christ is just being humble and treating others better than you yourself want to be treated. And I think if that's a, oh yeah, you want to take this? Like do it. I'll, I'll do it right alongside you or I'll, I'll step into another place where there's another need. Or I think it's just, it's, it's for the unity of the body, the unity of the family. And I think one of the biggest ways is through humility for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, but there's a, there's a flip side of that coin. Part of our responsibility as church leaders is not just to empower people to live in their gifts, but to encourage them to stay in the gifts that God has given them and right. not in gifts they don't have. Exactly. For example, I keep telling you that I love to lead worship and you won't let me do it. And that's for <laughs> I, good reason. I want right? to sing in the choir. You can sing in the no, choir. No, I'm not going to sing in the choir. <laughs> but you know, there's gifts that I have and there's gifts I don't mm-hmm. have. Yeah. And so part of our responsibility is to yeah. encourage people to discover the gifts they do have mm-hmm and then gently encourage them to yeah. live there and not somewhere else. Well, would you so. even say that that's, that's the job of anyone in the church? Yeah. If, yeah. If, you come, if you go to anyone in the church and you say, I want to be a door greeter, well, you know, I don't know if that's the gifting for you, but you'd be really good with kids. I think it's, there's like, there needs to be an openness and authenticity with that, like for other people to see in somebody else a gift and then, encourage them towards that not as a way to say you're going to take my job but as a way to say like I want to make you better and I want to make this family better and your gifts would be really good here yeah, I think that's yeah. the the best times that you can get people plugged in and using their gifts is when yeah. other people see it in you yeah and I, I think one of the things that we can do for parents I don't know about you but one of the most encouraging things somebody can do for me and Heather uh, is when they walk up to us and say, hey, I noticed your daughter did this. Mm-hmm. I mean, she went out of her way uh, to go help mm-hmm. somebody else. Okay. And I see this gift in her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, that was, I mean, that's just a shot to the heart right there. <laughs> it's like, thank you. I appreciate it. My kid's awesome, you know? Um, but I agree. Yeah, I was, I was going to say about parenting, I loved the analogy that you described on Sunday, how you mm-hmm. fight for your family, essentially. Yeah. And one of the things I've thought about specifically with my whole family, I'm like, there's certain things that we just don't do. You know, like it's not a do not or a do list or things like that. Mm -hmm. But I remember teaching my son um, when he was younger, he was like three or four. And I was like, you open the door for people, right? You just open the door for people. You be polite, like Mm -hmm. basic manhood stuff, right? (laughs) And I think of that in the church too, because what we're doing by redirecting people that maybe like, this is really what I see in you and mm. the gifts I see in you, redirecting people. That's that, that soft exhortation, maybe mm. a, a deeper encouragement, but a redirection. And I think mm. that's part of being a family. And if we've been redirected before and it didn't go well, yeah. we're a little bit jaded. shy, yeah. jaded, yeah. you know? And so, so I, think, I think part of being a family is having open and honest conversations. And mm. when I say honest, I don't mean like be true to yourself. I'm just like, but I think that, be true mm. to the word of God and what it says yeah. about who we are. And especially spiritually with, with spiritual gifts is, you know, if, if a, someone that's so introverted but wants to serve in an evangelism ministry, maybe they'll be great at it, mm. but they also may not want to talk to anybody. And so really the conversation is like, so why do you feel called to this? Mm. And I think that's the question we can ask ourselves. Why do you feel called to this or that? And if the passion is there and it's directly from the Holy Spirit, God mm. will help you with that yeah. as a family, you know? Mm. Um, I think, I think the, the thing that I really appreciated, like, as you talked about family, you also talked about something, some terms that I think are important for all of us to understand about the church and about spiritual gifts and about the Holy Spirit. You talked about in your take at home about 
uniformity and unity. Hmm. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Because those are terms, I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't hear uniformity until maybe a few years ago. Like it wasn't a term used in the circles I was in. And I think those are very different things now that I understand them. Mm-hmm. But maybe for people that are watching or, you know, someone at home, they may not really be able to unpack mm-hmm. those two. So, Yeah, th- that's a really good question. And again, this, this could be a conversation all of itself, <laughs> but there's a huge difference. Um, uniformity is when people say, hey, is, is Brookside a, a Republican church or a Democrat church? <laughs> um, you know, when people ask, you know, you is, there. Well, so, well, I mean, you got to, right? I, know, I mean, right? Or people say, hey, is, is Brookside a, a white church or a black church? Uh, is Ooh. Brookside conservative or liberal? Is, is Brookside a mask or no mask kind of church? Preach it. Uh, well, I mean, thanks. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, so whenever we ask questions that have nothing to do with Jesus, but everything to do with preferences, mm. then that becomes a church of uniformity. And, and I, I would say you, you used the word practical cessationals earlier. Yeah. Um, I would say that some of us have um, practical uniformity and that's wow. the, the way we do church. Because I think we gravitate towards churches not based upon how much Jesus is lifted up and honored and how much the gospel is going out from that church, but primarily as how much that church fits our preferences. Mm. Um, And preferences have no power to stick. And so as soon as that church does something that you don't like, that doesn't fit your preferences, then you move on to another church. And that's why we call it the Fort Wayne Shuffle. (laughs) And it's frustrating. So um, when a church says, you know, we're not so concerned about the way people vote or the way people look or the way they dress or the kinds of interests that they're in, but more so about how interested are you in holding up the word of God and the gospel for the other people to come to know Jesus as savior, then that's unity when it's under the banner of Jesus, not under the banner of anything else. And I think churches really get hung mm. up on uniformity when, and at the expense of unity way too mm. often. Do you see that in the, in the use of gifts? Do you think that churches can make that distinction oh, oh, of like, well, oh everyone must do this? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, we experience it almost every single Sunday yeah. here. I mean, there are some churches that when worship happens, every hand in the whole service is raised mm-hmm. up, right? At this church, I mean, I'm not saying people don't worship, but that's far less often. Mm-hmm. And so some people can say, well, Brookside is not a charismatic church. This other church is a charismatic church. Mm-hmm but you can even go farther. Is this a church that speaks in tongues or is this church that doesn't speak in tongues? Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, uniformity can even be relegated towards the gifts mm-hmm. uh, and we don't even realize it. Yeah, that's good. I, I wanna hear from David about this a little bit. I, I'm pushing back on him because I think you talked about uniformity, mm-hmm. but how do you see unity, David? How do I see unity? Ver- unity versus, he said uniformity. He defined that very well. And I, I kind of wanna hear from you. What, what does unity in the spirit mean? Oh jeez! I'm just. Uh, <laughs> this is unscripted, so yeah, I'm just yeah, putting yeah, it on that's you. That's good. Um, man, I think it's, I think it's that importance of of keeping in step with the spirit individually, pursuing the spirit, and then also not. Um, I think uniformity happens when I have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and I say you have to have that same encounter because I don't think the Holy Spirit is predictable. I mean, you look through scripture, he shows up in many different ways, many different methods, all this stuff. So I think uniformity happens and I've been challenged with this as a worship leader. I may have something that I encounter with the Holy Spirit in the secret place in in my quiet time with the Lord that I want to share on a Sunday morning. But it's that discernment of saying, well, I, I don't know that that was for everyone. 
And so I would love to come in here and have everyone raising their hands and dancing, God forbid. Um, and, and I would love that. But at the same time, I'm recognizing that, that the unity is more important than the uniformity. So I think, it's, um, I think it's an individual commitment to pursuing the spirit on our own and then not projecting that necessarily on others. I think there, it gets, it gets I, I, crazy because I, I, I think there are moments in, in time when you, when you need to express. Like, I think there's moments in your relationship with Jesus where you can't help but express and be uniform. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but... I th- think what you're talking about, I think what you just described is a micro version of what the Holy Spirit does. Like, he works with you individually. Right. And that's a personal relationship yeah. because he is a person. He's not yep. an it or an idea. Right. There's a relationship, yeah. and that is a one-on-one relationship, but there's also a macro version of that yeah. where he does a work in a body. Mm-hmm. And he might compel the body to do something, and that's called vision, right? Right. Where he says, this is where I want this body to have the greatest impact in the future in mm-hmm. this part of Fort Wayne. Yeah. And so that's what we're trying to keep in step with mm-hmm. and encourage all of Brookside to, if, if the very least, agree with so that together yeah. we can be unified in what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in and through us. So the unity is in purpose, not in practice. Yeah, I'd say it's more in purpose than in practice. Because yeah. the, the way I do my devotions in the morning might not be the same way you do right. it. And the way the Holy Spirit speaks to me, granted, it's all consistent with mm-hmm. Scripture, but the way the Holy Spirit works with me is different than the way he works with you and with you. Well, and that, and something I was going to say is kind of a caveat is we're corporately unified as a church right. because, because we have a direction. And you, you use the word vision. I think that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. God has a vision for churches all over the world and the corporate church in mm-hmm. the big church, yep. big C church. And I think what drives that is unity and sometimes unity gets broken from wanting uniformity. But I think another, another enemy of that is, is where we encounter adversity. Mm. And when we encounter adversity, it exposes the truth about our spiritual selves in that moment. Mm. And so like, that's something that is really, really hard, especially over the last couple of years, like things that have happened, world events and everything. And mm. it exposes the lack of unity that the church has at times. Um, but I think unity is actually the driver of all major movements of the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about it. Mm. Over over centuries and centuries of missionary work, it's when the Holy Spirit moves in mm-hmm. unity um, through His church. So, yeah. um, Eric, you had you had one more take home that I thought was very interesting, and I'm fascinated with. And I, I I'm sure David has some questions for you today too. Aren't you really excited? This is great. <laughs> Let's go. Come I on. love it. Unscripted. <laughs> um, I'm doing that. Was my workout pose uh, right? I can tell. <laughs> Because I don't work out. Okay. All right. So your third take home, you mentioned about being a Lone Ranger Christian. And I, I, I think hmm. you, you, you kind of define that, but like what, what if either one of you have thought about those living with a vertical relationship with Christ? Okay. They have a relationship with Christ. Maybe they're walking in step with the spirit, you might hmm. say, you know, to, to reference what David said, but their horizontal relationships are really alone. Is that possible? And you said on Sunday, no, but let's unpack that a little bit more. What, what does that exactly mean? I'll let you take the first stab. Oh, goodness. Um, hmm. You know, my, my youth pastor in high school was all about like anti-isolation, right? And he was all about community. 
And it got to the point where I hated it because he was always talking about community, always talking about not being isolated, always talking about, you know, walking across the room, meeting someone. And it became that, that thing that was just like, okay, yes, we know you're going to talk about community tonight. Like, you know, move on. Now I recognize the importance of it, especially as we've, we've grown, we, you know, in different stages of life, we've needed people around us to point us back to Jesus. And I think, I think we touched on it. You can have that personal relationship with Jesus, but the personal relationship with Jesus is meant to drive you outward. I mean, you have the great commission, right? Go and make disciples. So if you, if you believe in Jesus, I don't think there's a way that you can live in isolation because Jesus was, he charged us to go out and make disciples. Well, but I've been hurt by the church. Okay. Yeah, and there's, there's I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, I'm a, right. I, I, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. I, I mean, I was planning on this, but you guys didn't know that because it's unscripted. <laughs> so, so like, so I've been hurt by the church. Yeah. I don't want to go in a church building. Maybe I'll just watch online and listen to a sermon. Mm-hmm. Isn't that great? I mean, and you know, th- there's probably seasons for that. And I think the Holy Spirit gives us something of a break from church so that we can get healthy. Mm-hmm. And if you've been hurt from church and you just need to either take a, a, a time away from church or just kind of slide in and slide out of church for a while, then that might be a healthy thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you can do that long-term and it's definitely not sustainable. Mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would say there's kind of a catch-22 to that question. And again, it's another point. <laughs> That's that why probably, it was my question. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I see you trying to trip me up. So I'm <laughs> yeah. get you back next time I host. So there's a catch-22 nature to this because mm-hmm. I really have come to the conclusion that while you can have a personal relationship with Jesus without the community of the church, um, you, you are severely lacking in what you could experience. And I would suggest that your relationship is not as strong as you might think it is. So, hmm. so you cannot have, so, okay. You can have a personal relationship with Jesus without the community of the church, but it's not as strong. But at the same time, I don't know if you can have a great community with the church if you don't have a good relationship with Jesus. Mm. I don't, maybe so, I just confused you. So it's no. important to be connected to the source. No, no, oh, yeah, so, yeah. So, so, so basically what you're saying is if you have, you have to have a relationship with Jesus to have great community in the church, right? Is that what you're saying? You, yeah, I, you, I don't I'm, think you can, I don't think any of us can reach our full potential mm. or what God is calling us to do without a personal relationship with Jesus, but also without the community of yeah. the church because God has injected his power in the church. And if I ignore the church or ne- neglect the church or avoid it altogether, then yeah, I might know Jesus and I might love him, mm. but I have, I have separated myself from his stream of power. I um, just picture like a random hand laying on the table. Like how long does that actually last? Like if it's, if you take this body imagery, right? If yeah. you, if you're saying, it's well, kind I of graphic, believe, but okay. Yeah, well, I know, but I mean, are you cutting off hands? You, <laughs> is this Halloween? If you, what is if, this? You, if you believe in Jesus, but you're not connected to the body, yeah. there's only so long you can stay. Right. And you're only doing two of the three parts of the great commission in actuality. Yeah. Go and be baptized. Like right. it's talking about there's, there's, mm-hmm. you're sent out. Yeah. You know, but I think, I think the hardest thing, and this is kind of why I, I talked about this is like, I think that many times um, we don't work through hurt and heal and mm. we become Lone Ranger Christians in isolation because we're like, well, I had this one experience at this time or had mm. that experience at that time. And really God wants us to heal. Mm. I mean, that's the whole Holy Spirit. When you look at this chapter, it's like, man, 
Hmm. There's just, we're, we're one body. We're together in this. And then we're like, well, the hand just punched me in the face, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, wait, I never want to do that again. It's like, we got to work together as a body. A body yeah. functions together, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, well, you have, to, you have to remind me of the actual passage. But in the New Testament, it says, um, you know, if, if you want saved, if you want forgiven, you need to confess your sins to Jesus. If you want healed, you need to confess your sins to each other. Mm. Um, and I think there's a whole lot of us walking around forgiven but not healed because we've isolated ourselves mm. from the forgiving power and healing power of the church. That God, yes. That's the way God designed it. The, the other side of that coin is if, if you have a great connection to the community of the church but you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then I think you're a spiritual fraud. And this is where I think wolves and sheepskin come in and start to cause all kinds of chaos. And uh, that's very, very damaging and dangerous for the church. Preach it. Preach it. No, because I I think one of the things that you just kind of address is the Mm -hmm. fact that sometimes we have a church culture and Mm -hmm. it's not a Holy Spirit culture. And that's mm. something that we, we're trying to do at Brookside, right? I mean, we're talking yeah. about the Holy Spirit every week. Mm-hmm. And so when I, when I think of like people doing things alone, you, you know, you use the image of a hand over here. Yeah. It's like, there's certain parts of the body I just don't want to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, hey, I want, I want to be like the voice, let's say, yeah. or something. What would you say, Eric or David, both of you guys, what would you say to someone that's like, I don't like my gifts. Oh. I want other people's gifts. They have that kind of like, wow. I, I want to be over here. I want to be that mm. vocal gift or I want to do this. And they're really just like striving for something that not how God that made them. I mean, we all have this identity mm. crisis at some point in our life. Especially, maybe it's junior high, maybe it's today older. Especially with social media. Yeah. Like everyone wants to be the influencer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I want, I want mm-hmm. to be on preacher sneakers, but I don't have any money. So yeah, yeah. I, you know, like, so, so yeah, well, I, how would I, you I kind of take issue with the question because I'm no, no, because I think the question itself is a little bit flawed because what it suggests is that you can know your spiritual gift. You can exercise it, experience its impact and effects mm. and still say, I don't like my gift. Um, I don't, I don't know if you can do that. So I would suggest that somebody that says, I don't want my gift. It's probably for a couple of reasons. One, there's an arrogance in them or Mm. perhaps like a selfish ambition inside of them, which says, you know, my gift might not be the most pronounced or public or, you know, praised Mm. kind of gift. And therefore I want that praise. So I don't want my gift. I want that gift. And I probably fall into that camp too, because I'm thinking, man, I wish I could I wish I could do what that person does. You know, I wish I had more of their gift. I think the other reason for that is they've never experienced it. And so they say, they perhaps have heard somebody say, you've got this gift, but they've never exercised it. Therefore, they've never Mm. allowed the Holy Spirit to show them the impact they have when they do exercise that gift. But I mean, it's, so, so it's kind of a form of spiritual disobedience almost. Yeah, I would say so. Like, I would it's, say it's, you're it's out of an exclusion that yeah. you have no evidence wow. to actually support. And I would say that's it's very similar to what my wife and I just experienced with this this sport that's like gripping our country called pickleball. Um, <laughs> have you played this before? I have, have not. You, no, no, you're I, missing out. I, so I, I've watched YouTube. Yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> so before I played, I thought that sport just looks dumb. I mean, it's like a weird version of tennis and ping pong and racquetball. I was like, this is going to be boring. And then we agreed to play with some friends and we were hooked from the minute, right? Um, and I think that can happen with spiritual gift. It's you're like, eh, I'm not really too interested in it. But mm. the moment you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, you're like, wow, that was really amazing. So, yeah. so I, I think that, that kind of leads us in a different direction. What would you say to someone that's like, 
how do I start? Wow. I yeah. mean, I feel like that's a big deal. Like start what, to discover their gift or yeah, start to use their gifts? Start mm-hmm. to use their gifts. I, I, I really think like we, we talked a few weeks ago about taking a spiritual gift assessment and there is one on Brookside's website. Yep. In addition to that, there's an area where you can look up maybe specific ways to serve and based on your gifting. And like, so where yeah. do I even start? Because if people haven't experienced their gift, mm. they could fall into that spiritual disobedience or, or a way of like, I haven't experienced it, so mm. I want this other gift. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, David, I'm gonna let you take a step while I find a passage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think for me, it's always been, so, you know, you take the spiritual gift uh, assessment, you kind of get your gift back. And the title, you know, okay, I don't really know what that means. And then you look at a list like this on the on the website and it says, you know, youth and, you know, speaking. And you're like, well, my personality is very introverted and I don't like students. But that's your personality. But you're actually gifted in those areas. And it's actually your personality driving you away from where God actually wants you. Good point. Because I think... Like for me, I, I really don't like talking in front of people for the most part. I don't like being on stages. I really don't. It makes me feel really nervous and uncomfortable. Like I'm going to mess up. Everyone's looking at me, you know, but that's where God has called me. And that's where I find the most joy is when my personality actually conflicts with where the Holy Spirit's leading me. I don't know. I don't know if that's a good answer, but I, I would encourage people to say, I'm going to give it a shot. If well, I have this gift... I'm going to try it and see what happens. It may feel weird for a couple years. Doesn't that confirm that it's the Holy Spirit though? Well, like that's, right. that's what yeah. I'm saying. So like if something conflicts with yeah. what your predisposition is, what, mm-hmm. what you naturally want to do, yeah. I think that actually confirms that that's a spiritual gift. I mean, because it's like, wait, I'm actually good at this and I don't really enjoy this. Like, like I'll tell you what I, I didn't enjoy doing for years. I didn't enjoy going to nursing homes and talking to nonverbal people. Like, mm-hmm. And now it's like, I would actually kind of enjoy that just to provide comfort to them. And like, I know they're responding mm-hmm. to me and stuff, but it, it like when I was younger, I was like, I don't want to do a visitation. What am I going to do? Like, yeah. I don't know what mm-hmm. to say. I don't know. They're not going to talk to me. So I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I know that sounds really specific. Yeah. Definitely traumatic experience in my twenties. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Eric, I think you had some more that you were going to share here. Yeah. About I mean, this. I, I think you, you asked the question, where does it start? Um, and I, I think it starts. So. I think your giftedness is, is intimately tied to your calling. Mm-hmm. Like you've been called to be a worship mm-hmm. leader and therefore you've been gifted to accomplish mm-hmm. that. I've been called to be a preacher. So my trust is that he's been gifted me mm-hmm. with some speaking abilities, those kind of things. Um, but if you say, where does it start? You have to envision God's call in your life as like a target or concentric circles. So when you first get to know Jesus, it's your calling is to worship him, mm-hmm. get to know Jesus, right? And then as you grow and mature in your faith, the calling gets more narrow and laser focused. And now it's, I'm calling you to full-time ministry or I'm calling you to be an engineer or calling you to be a teacher, whatever it is. Mm. And then as you continue to mature, you, that calling and then the giftedness gets even more laser focused and narrow. For me, it was, you're called to follow Jesus, to be a believer. Then you're called to the ministry and then you're called to preach and then you're called to Brookside. Um, mm. And I think, I think the gifts become more and more clear the more laser focused and narrowed in you are on his calling on your life. And that's why I love Romans 12, one uh, through three. 
uh, or one through two, he said, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Before he ever talks about calling in his will, he says, I want you to worship me with your body. Mm. Um, and then he says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, mm. his good, pleasing and perfect will. So people are saying, I wanna know what my gifts are. Mm. I wanna know what God's will for me is, what his calling is. If you're confused about that, just keep worshiping and living a holy life uh, mm. before him and he'll reveal it to you. I'm pretty confident. That was really good. I, I, that was that was meat right there. I, okay. I'm still <laughs> listening. I'm like soaking it all in. I, I think it's so important that in every moment, going back to all the things we've talked about, there's these moments where we need to encourage others mm. and we need to speak up. And sometimes we need to listen and mm. then approach a situation. And I think through family, through uniformity and unity, mm. through the Lone Ranger, in every case, encouragement seems to be a theme. We mm. encourage others. Mm. And the, the opposite of that would be to discourage others. And mm. I think sometimes no in certain situations is actually an encouragement like for a yes in another way. Wow. You know, yeah. and sometimes we just hear no and we're like, oh, you know, but the reality mm. is sometimes yes in another way is, is where God wants to take us. I know, I know, David. You had, you definitely had some questions for us here, and <laughs> I, I do. Have we we one didn't conspire question. against no, Eric, yeah, but no, we I did, but we... a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. So okay, so so Sunday, you know, you're you're reading through these these gifts, and um, I got hung up on verse 31. Do you know what verse 31 says? I sure do, yeah. Yeah, it says, <laughs> no. <laughs> it says, so it says, you know, do all, um, do all work miracles or all prophets. You know, it, it goes through that whole list. And then it says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. So if there's no hierarchy in the gifts, what is, what is he saying to the Corinthian church? I've wrestled with this since Sunday and I'm just curious what, what you would think. I know Katie and I have had some conversation about this verse too, because we were, it was towards the end of your sermon and you, you, you know, you gave the sermon then, and then read that verse and I was getting ready to come out on stage and I was like, wait a second, I'm, <laughs> I'm conflicted. I don't know what to think about this. So maybe, so, maybe just unpack what he's saying here. If, well, I need to be careful because one of the things they teach you in preaching class uh, is that you always want to create something of a suspense for the following week. Uh, so I can answer your question, but my answer will be the entirety of my sermon this next Sunday. <laughs> well, there so, you go. Tune in this Sunday. <laughs> Tune in this Sunday, yeah. So the answer is all found in chapter 13. And chapter 13 is a really short chapter. Mm -hmm. But um, without trying to give this weekend's yeah. point away, the idea is this. There's not a hierarchy of gifts, I don't believe, as you read them in mm. chapter 12. I believe what he's talking about, the greater gifts are not even mentioned in chapter 12. They're mm. the three things and primarily the one thing that is harped on in chapter 13. And so, I mean, you, you talked about, you know, we can exercise our gifts. The question you always have to ask when you exercise your gift is what is the net impact of the gift? Mm. It doesn't have to be like you're filling stadiums, but what is the intended purposed effect of mm. your gift? And if you're not hitting that impact, mm. then you have to evaluate why. Yeah. Um, and, and I think chapter 13 gives an answer to that, and that is uh, love. Mm -hmm. And so if, if I could, if I've got preaching skill that can fill a stadium, yeah. but I don't preach out of love, mm. then what chapter 13 tells me is I'm nothing but a clanging cymbal and a resounding gong. In other words, 
all people hear is blah, 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 mm. right? Because yeah. I'm not doing it out of love. And yeah. if I exercise my gift of, I don't know, exhortation or, you know, if, if you're trying to challenge somebody mm. with truth, yeah. but you're not giving them truth and love, mm-hmm. then it's an absolute waste of your time. Yeah. And so um, um, maybe I... People are going to be like, I don't need to go to church this Sunday. No, now. they should so because thanks. we're going to dive no, deeper. No, yeah, we're going to dive deeper. You don't need to go any deeper. deeper. No, that, I, yeah. just, I just found it was interesting and I yeah. thought a lot of people would probably have that yeah. question. And what I found was actually in some, some research, they say that the Corinthian church was actually pursuing speaking in tongues and healing uh, more than anything else. And so what Paul's doing here is actually saying, but wait, there's actually a higher gift. He's not saying... There's a hierarchy, but he's saying there's actually something more important that I want to yeah. tell you about. And and so I just, I was curious what your no, thoughts were. And uh, I knew people were probably yeah. having that same question. So yeah. I was a little nerdy because David had kind of approached this verse to me a little bit. And I was like, well, I'm going to check this and what the Greek says. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, I had, I had something that I thought was interesting is, um, throughout the epistles and the New Testament, there's all this lesser to greater logic that the Jewish people did. Mm-hmm. And the word actually there for higher gifts in some translations, there's there's different words used, but is actually the word greater. And essentially mm-hmm. this is lesser than these gifts because you're just trying to get them to not act in love to use what you were saying. Yeah. And you're just using them for yourself. And mm-hmm. so I think if there's a theme mm-hmm. throughout chapter 12 that we've talked about is 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 not about self and it's about others. Mm -hmm. And as a family, I don't know about you, but I'd sacrifice my life for my Mm. family. Like if my son was like, Mm. there was a truck going to hit him, Mm. I would run in front of the truck and push him out of the way. Mm -hmm. I think that's what the church is about. It's about self-sacrifice. I mean, Philippians Mm. chapter two talks about Jesus was humble to the point of the cross. And I think that applies here in the sense that we're a body and we need to die to self mm. and live for others. I mean, that's, I know I just unpacked like a whole nother topic. <laughs> yeah. And so we'll just work on that next week, right? Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we, well, there's so much we'd say about that. Yeah. I mean, my, my takeaway from chapter 12 and 13 is uh, chapter 13 and the three gifts mentioned in chapter 13, uh, they're unlike the gifts in chapter mm. 12, but they become something of a foundation to the mm. point where if you have the greatest of gifts in chapter 12, whatever you think those are, but you don't have the three gifts mm. in chapter 13, mm. then whatever spiritual gifts you have has no stability mm. and no foundation mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and there will be uh, um, effectiveness. Yeah. Wait, that's not a word. Is that a word? Ineffective. Ineffective. <laughs> effectiveness. Yeah. I'll make up. I'm going to quote Eric. On that's right. <laughs> effectiveness. So, I have another question that somebody actually texted me and I want to make sure I ask it right. So if you text if you text a question, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll answer it. Yeah, we we'll answer, answer it. it. So if yeah. you text a question. Yeah, text questions at 260-250-4700, right? Awesome, yeah. Um, so somebody was listening last week and um, they were talk- we talked about developing our spiritual gifts, right? So their question was wondering if there's, there's a blurring between uh, talents and skills with the power of the Holy Spirit. So the question is, uh, if we are doing things in our own strength and for our own benefit, aka developing our spiritual gifts, can that really be the work of the Holy Spirit and His power in us if we are developing it? Well, that, that's um, that, that's a really good question. I think I would have loved to have seen that question. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best part. Right now. I mean, I I can give a subtle answer to that because I I haven't heard that before, but I think I think that. 
when you're walking in the spirit, you just described your gift earlier. So I'll mm-hmm. use that like yep. description is like, you don't like being in front of people, mm-hmm. but you're in front of people. Clearly you're developing that, but it's, it's, it's the opposite of what your personality would be or your mm. disposition. And so it's clearly the spirit. Yeah. You know? And so is there a way to develop that per se? Maybe just use your gift. I mean, well, I don't, I, I, I think, think it's like that. obedience. Yeah, I think obedience. developing your gift is through obedience. Like there's times when you're supposed to use your gift and you don't feel like it, but developing that gift and the power of the Holy Spirit through you is just being obedient to that. I don't know. What are yeah, your thoughts? No, I, I agree. And I think, I think the spiritual gift that we have been given has less to do about our personal skill and more to do about the ways that God, that God wants to use us the most. And mm-hmm. so just in the, in the preaching world, there are some preachers who in terms of skill are far less skilled than other preachers um, that are out there, but yet the impact that they have is far greater. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's less about the skill and far more about being humble and submissive to the Holy Spirit yeah. so he can use you. Yeah. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of the gift, like if I have the gift of preaching, I have not always been gifted at public speaking. I had to go to school. I had to learn what it means to be in front of an audience. I had to learn, I mean, as a, as a worship leader, yeah. you had to learn the skills of, of warming up your vocal cords and, and, and developing <laughs> and so forth, you know? And so just because you have to develop your skill, um, I mean, it's honestly, it's up to you if you are using those skills and developing those skills for your own personal uh, agenda or if you want to use them for kingdom purposes. And that's actually a big part of what we're going to talk Mm. about this coming weekend Mm. is you can develop the skills, but you get to choose on your motivation for using them. Mm. I think that's a great transition for next week, Eric. Sounds great. You you were just like awesome. So. Thank you for joining us with Church Unscripted. Definitely subscribe. Again, 60% of you are not subscribed. And if you enjoy this content, hit subscribe. And also hit the like button because that's really fun too. Um, Any comments or questions, we'll look at them for next week um, for Church Unscripted. Thank you for being with us.